I had an abusive childhood and a bad home life too. And so coming to that point and going, is this it? <laughs> like I did all this and this could potentially be over. And that was my life. That was the sum of my life. What does that mean? You know, and I think that's probably where it came from, where I was just trying to make sense of everything. And the funny thing is, I found that when I wrote the book and when I put it out there, I was terrified for one. I've never been so scared in my entire life because these are personal stories that I put out there yes. to try to help people. But when I did it, I finally felt like those first four decades now of my life finally meant something. So if I did die tomorrow, I feel like finally I found some way to get meaning out of it. So I guess that's that's kind of the short version of what happened. Okay, so what started off with self-care, turned into more than self-care and then yeah. it became inspirational and it became something that you wanted to provide the world with basically. Yeah, I really wrote the book because I was seeing, you know, especially in the last few years, a lot of unkindness and racism and intolerance and then just unkindness to yourself and not accepting yourself and, and not understanding your life and being angry and struggling financially and all of that. And I felt like I wanted to create something that would be something positive added into that mix where you know, people might find something in the book that helps them out. Um, really, the only criticism I've seen online about the book so far is somebody said, well, she didn't go in depth about any one thing. And that's true. I talk about a lot of different things um, on purpose because I want people to be able to find themselves in different places and not feel alone and know that somebody understands and then get some ideas for what to do about it. And I felt like that could be my contribution to the world, you know, something good. Right, and leaving things um, not so descriptive always leaves room for a sequel, correct? Yeah, I actually, people have asked me about that and I'm like, I'll probably do like, this one is halfway there, midlife. The next one will probably be like almost there because <laughs> it'll <laughs> probably be when I'm like 70 <laughs> if I'm still here. And so, yeah, I mean, there's always more that, that could be said as I go along. I've learned things even since I wrote that book. And there's things that I didn't include in the book, um, just in the interest of um, space, or it just wasn't quite written well enough from, from my perspective. I just wasn't happy with it. So there's always more to be said. And I do say a lot of those things on my blog, um, which people um, subscribe to. I do have some subscribers to that. And I do talk about a lot of those things just those life things, those lesson things and struggles. Okay. Now, um, I always like to ask authors, because I'm not an author, so I don't know how this goes. How do you go from like writing and then uh, getting a writer's block? How do you get past the writer's block? That's funny, because I had this blog for a while. I have several blogs that I retired that I called Unblock Myself, because I had consistent writer's block over like decades. And the thing is, it's because I was too critical of myself. And um, I had a professor in college who hated everything that I wrote. And I think that really stifled me for a really long time. So for me, the secret was not allowing myself to judge anything as I was creating it. Just not at all. I just turn off the editor. Cause I do, I'm an editor now by day. That's a lot of my day job now is editing, but I had to turn that off and stop being critical. So. For me, getting from the writer's block to actually writing something was turning off the criticism and being very purposeful about it and telling myself, if it's crap, fine, I will delete it later. And it's funny because I, I did take a really long break um, about a year before I finished up this book. I didn't write anything for a year. It was an entire year fallow period, a long one. 
Okay. And there was stuff that I had written down and I had written in the margins, this is crap. And I went back and read it as an editor, you know, later, because it's not so much me anymore. And I was like, this isn't crap. This is actually not bad. And so I've had to really learn to turn that off. And that kind of allows me to progress. Okay. Now, what frustrations did you have with writing this book? Because this opened up old wounds, correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say for the most part, it was kind of an enjoyable book to write because unlike other manuscripts that I had attempted, I did attempt one that that just kind of dredged up way too many painful things and I stopped like after 40,000 words or something. I just stopped and I haven't ever worked on it. In this case, because I was looking for positivity in all of the things I had been through, it was actually really enjoyable to write. And also because I wasn't writing it at the time for a book, at least until I was about halfway in, I didn't really have any other audience or intentions in mind. I was just kind of writing things that felt good to write about. So for me, it wasn't actually a very painful experience. What became difficult was just, you know, editing is difficult, writing is difficult. And so coming back and trying to make things work that weren't working and all of that, that's always really hard. So let me flip it for you. Your day job is an editor. So you're looking over tons of information. Yeah. How did you make time to edit your book? Or did you send it off somewhere to get it edited? Or how did you do that? I don't know, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> like when I look back, because it's really hard to work on things when you're working full time. But really for, I have a disability, I have a health condition. And a lot of the last five years, I've just either been unemployed or underemployed. And so I've had little breaks um, where I just had the time. And then I think there were other times where it was somehow a stress reliever for me to do that, which is not normal. Cause usually once I've written for everybody else, cause I've been a writer for a long time. It's only in the last couple of years where I've done more editing. Okay. I've written for other people for so long. Um, I just have nothing else to, to give myself, which is why I'm trying to transition into editing. So I have more of my own stuff, but I really don't know because I've been really sick a lot and I don't really know how it happened. And I think about that and I go, that's how I know this is something I was supposed to do. And I was supposed to put out there because I don't really understand how it happened. I didn't really have the energy and, and it actually, I finished it as opposed to other things. And so I can't really explain that, to be honest. It's kind of, I think it's one of those things where I was just following a path I was supposed to go down. Okay, I got you there. Now, you have another interesting topic, White Ocean Press. Yeah. What can you tell us about that? So um, I decided to start my own publishing company. I don't know. And, and I've started and failed at a lot of things in my life. So let me preface it with that. I've had a lot of jobs. I've had multiple businesses. I've had a writing business and a company where I had writers on staff and things like that. Things often fail. That was, um, at first I was going to do a literary magazine. And then I said, well, I can't make that work financially. Um, so let me try a publishing company. So that's kind of a new thing for me. Uh, I'm using it now because I got the rights back to my book from my publisher. And so for now, I'm using it to publish my book. I'm hoping to perhaps publish other works from other people in the coming years as I can kind of make sure I know what I'm doing. I'm still, you know, I've had to learn all the, the vendors and everything that goes into publishing by re-releasing this book. But I am hoping to kind of have some select titles that 
are really good work and that are by people that maybe not would not be heard otherwise people like me um, minorities my husband is black um, I'm mixed I have a disability and just people who have positive and impactful stories to tell or just truths to tell I don't want to put anything ugly or negative into the world and so that's kind of the vision I have for it and we'll just have to see <laughs> what yeah. happens Okay, and I know for legal reasons, um, not to dip and dab about your previous publisher, but asking a question as uh, we're trying to educate other authors, um, how hard is it to get your rights back to your book after you've gone into an engagement with someone else? Because I try to leave it as an open-ended question because I know that there's legalities, you can't speak on certain things, but could you answer that question though? Um, it really depends on the publisher. Um, I didn't have a lot of trouble with mine, which I was very grateful for, but I'm a member of Authors Guild and they have legal help available to authors as part of your membership. And so um, I, I really didn't need them very much in this case. I did need them a little bit, but everything went really smoothly with mine. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I have nothing bad to say about that. I have heard from other authors where they get like they'll only get the manuscript they won't they won't get the cover copy you know the cover design and the images or they won't get the fonts with their files or you know different things are missing and i didn't have that experience i was really lucky so i only had to make a few updates just to the isbn and the publisher and all that to republish it but i think it can be really difficult <laughs> so okay and yeah. what is the re-release of this book it's coming out again on February 16th, 2021. So um, I do have some for sale for me. I've, I actually had an order this morning. I'm selling some signed copies. I still have some inventory. It's the same book, nothing has changed. So if you bought a, a copy before, if you find a, a used copy somewhere, it's the same book. So um, I'm selling some now, but otherwise it's on pre-order on just anywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and you can get an ebook as well, if you like that. <laughs> I like paper books, but. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's fairly interesting there because you never, uh, and I like how professional you are. And this is one thing I commend you on because um, some people do have frustrations with litigation and some people, you know, they, they can't keep a straight face about it. And you, and no one will see this video, but you keep are keeping a straight face about it. And that's, what's amazing to me. Um, so you have this book on the way, but you have another literary piece out in the world that I discovered on um, your website, Limitless. What is it? Limitless. Oh, yeah, that was though I, I wrote a poem under a pen name. And that's actually on my website. It's called Morning Trash. And it was published in this literary anthology. And it's funny, because you won't find a lot of my stuff out there, because I didn't have enough confidence for most of my life to submit anywhere. And that was like the second time I submitted anything anywhere, and it got accepted. And that poem, um, I'm actually really proud of it. I wrote it, it's about racism. And I wrote it um, during the 2020, 2016 election period when things were just getting really bad from a racial perspective and I was really frustrated. And um, yeah, feel free to go read it. I have a tab on there. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, no doubt. I, I was like, I was like, wow, you know, you have other literary work here. So um, me and you were of age and we know about the TV show 2020. Yeah. There was Diane Sawyer, 
there was Barbara Walters, and then there was John Stossel. John Stossel was a comedian on there. He had a little funny bit. Uh, Diane Sawyer was the lead-in to Barbara Walters, so her questions were kind of deep. But Barbara Walters had those hard-hitting questions. So I'm going to start off with the Diane Sawyer questions. Okay. Okay. You wrote this book. You published it. You went out in the world with it. Um, it did somewhat uh, – give you a little notoriety, more notoriety than what you had. Um, <laughs> uh, you had some issues with your publisher. You're bringing this book out for a second time. What are you proving to yourself and what success are you looking for now? What am I proving to myself? I think I, think I always prove to myself that I can keep you uh, falling down and getting back up. So that's one of those things. This time, you know, I, I marketed some the first time around, as we talked about, I'm a marketer. I do a lot of content marketing. And so I did, but I was losing money on that just because of the math, you know, and how much royalties I was getting. I was losing a ton of money. So, you know, I'm hoping that I can actually market in the way that I want to market it this time in a good way, in a comprehensive way. Cause you know, when you work with a publisher you don't have access to all the data and all the stuff that's going on. And that's just the way it is with any publisher. And so I didn't have access to data that I needed to market it well. So my hope is that this time around, I can actually market it properly because the people that read it, they really like it. And, you know, I go through these periods where I'm like, what am I doing? Why did I do that? You know, is this even worth it? But then I get notes from people. I got another one last week that was just like, I really felt like you, you saw me and I felt like I was just having this conversation with a friend and it really made me feel better or, you know, things like that, or it gave me some ideas for what to do. So then I feel really good about it. So I'm hoping that I can get it in front of more people. I'm, you know, my goal with this, and I don't think anybody's goal should ever be to make money. Obviously I have bills to pay, but that was never the goal of this. My goal was to contribute something good to the world. So that's what I'm hoping happens is that I can get it to more people so that I can at least do more good, you know, with this, it was hard. It was a lot of work mm -hmm. to create. So I'd like to do good with it. Okay. So you're bringing this book out for a second time. Um, and you've told your testimony on how you want this to go and how you plan on implementing this. Yeah. So what do you tell the next Elizabeth? What do you tell the next Eric? Cause we'll just use that as a generic name. What do you tell them when they want to go out here and publish a book, you handle it with a company that handle it that subpar, we won't be disrespectful to them. And then you have to come back with your own company to bring this book out. What do you tell the next Elizabeth and Eric? What advice would you give them when it comes to you, you've made this manuscript, you've typed it up, you put it on a typewriter, you've done whatever you had to do with it. What do you tell them the next step that they should take? I mean, you just have to know what you're doing, to be perfectly honest. Um, if you don't know all the things that need to happen from a technical perspective, from a distribution perspective, you know, from a formatting perspective to get it out there. You know, I a lot of books are published, they're laid out in InDesign. I've used InDesign in my jobs when I was designing manuals for corporations. So for me, I could go in and make those edits. If you're in a situation where, you know, a lot of people get hybrid publishers, mine was a hybrid. So my contract would have been up anyway in like a year and I could have renewed or not. So there's a lot of people in those situations. And so, 
it's not always a, you know, it's a subpar experience. A lot of times people want their rights back so they can get more royalties because, you know, it's just hard to make a living through any publisher. So I would say you just have to really know what you're doing. And I've done a lot of research. I've asked people a lot of questions to make sure that I'm doing it right. Because in order to be seamless, there's so many places on the internet. There's Apple, Google, there's places overseas, there's Kobo, there's Barnes and Noble, Amazon. There's so many places where your book could potentially show up and where people will expect to see it. And if you don't know how to get it there, then you can't be successful. So if you're gonna go do it on your own, that's my advice is to really take the time to learn it. If you don't know how to do that, there are plenty of companies that will help you kind of a la carte. Say, I don't know how to do this piece. Go find a company out there that will help you do that piece. And so for me, uh, one of those companies I use is draft to digital where I've uploaded my ebook certain places directly like Barnes and Noble and Apple and Google where I can get higher royalties. But there's a whole bunch of places worldwide where you can distribute an ebook. And you know, those, those kind of companies will help you get to those places with very little effort. So that's my advice. Okay. And I really appreciate that for the simple fact that um, when you have a podcast, you have uh, all kinds of people that are just wanting to get their start somewhere and wanting to do something. And they don't always know how to do it. And the advice that you give today is submitted in radio. So it'll be here forever or until, <laughs> you know, until radio is obsolete, which it obviously never has been. Um, it's just taken on a different format. Um, so going forward, what are your future endeavors? What's next after this book's done, um, being re-released? You do your promotional tour, you do some webinars, you do quite a few different things with this. What's next for Elizabeth? I've actually started writing another book already and I have another manuscript that I wrote before this one that I need to edit um, and that I started editing. I just, like I mentioned, I'm in this fallow period right now. So I haven't worked on my next book since like October, but I'm also at this place where I haven't had a job in quite a while. <laughs> and so unemployment's run out and all that kind of thing. So I'm right now I'm more focused on, well, what can I do to make a living while still pursuing those other things? Because what I want to do is put more good things out. And I have a blog, but I don't make money off the blog. And like I said, that's not my goal, but I do have bills to pay. And so I would love to write more books. Um, my next book is, um, I like it. I, I don't know how to describe it yet, but then I kind of, I seem to like doing things like that that are a little bit different, but it's also kind of written like this one is in short, short snippets of things, you know. Um, this one's a little more poetic and descriptive and it's more focused on, it's basically about the things that we don't notice anymore now that we're older, that we maybe used to notice as a child or that we notice in certain moments or on certain occasions, but we don't notice them anymore. And I got this inspiration just, looking at my shadow one day when I was walking, thinking about, I was a little girl once and I used to stare at my shadow all the time. And if I look at that shadow now, I could still be 17 years old. The shadow has not changed <laughs> since I was 17 <laughs> years old. There's no face on it. It looks the same. Wow, I didn't notice that before. And so that's what started that book was writing about this. Wow, I haven't noticed this. And in 20 years, I have not looked down at my shadow and thought about how it's the same shadow, but I'm different. And so- I want to put more things out like that, but I do have to pay bills. <laughs> so, right. so I'm still doing some working content marketing and um, editing. And I, I don't really know. I'm in a really weird place. Like a lot of people are where they've, their whole world's kind of shattered. I don't know what exactly is next. That's what I would like to be next, but 
I need like the universe to help me out a little bit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now a, a segment that we do in this show, cause you answered all the 2020 questions and that was one of my favorite news magazine shows growing up. So I always give, pay a little homage to them. Um, I had this guy on my show. He was from New York city. He's a rapper. He could solve in a Rubik's cube in 40 seconds. Oh my gosh. There's a lady down in the bottom part of Savannah, Georgia. She goes across the United States with her job for whatever reasons. And she goes to Goodwills. She finds that fabric uh, portraits and stuff like that. She takes them home. She puts rhinestones on them. She puts glitter on them. She resells them. She's almost got me in a position where I think I want to buy one and put one behind <laughs> me somewhere. Um, but uh, it, all these things, these were secrets. These were talents that were told on this show. So it's your turn to give back to the audience. We need to know a secret or hidden talent about you that nobody knows. And everybody has a secret. And to give you a little time to think about it, I'm gonna go on with a little bit more of my spiel. Um, I live in West Virginia and I go to all kinds of places that are near water and I cannot swim. I have a great girlfriend, her name's Stacy. She will get me if I fall in the water or something happens and I'll live and she'll live too, hopefully. But I have no fear of the water. I do all those extreme Mountain Dew stuff. I'm out there on the rocks. I could slide in the water and be gone forever, but I have no fear of it. But that is my secret. I cannot swim. Just like a, a cat can swim somewhat, but I'm like the cat initially when it falls in, I freeze up in the water. And um, I've never been able to overcome that. And uh, I know that you have a talent or a secret that nobody knows about. So would you tell us is anything that nobody knows about because I'm so I'm such a writer and I put so much out there. I mean, I think my biggest my biggest thing that I can do is communicate nonverbally with all kinds of creatures. <laughs> um, you know, like, I like have, an animal whisper. Yeah, I'm kind of an animal whisperer. Like like people on LinkedIn know this because I posted videos, but I have some squirrels in my backyard and they come and take food from me. And I just had this squirrel, I've named him Marley. And he he just showed up one day and we became buddies. And now there's Mindy and she shows up. I was just feeding her pecans right, right before this recording. And then I have these birds. And, and the thing is, and I guess many people don't know this part, I have animals show up all the time at weird times and repetitively. So I go through periods where I see hawks almost every day and they'll fly right above my head or they'll fly over my car. Or there was a day right after um, I kind of submitted all this, the book stuff for publication. I was outside of my back patio, just bawling my eyes out. Like, this is horrible. What did I do? <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> And all of these cardinals just showed up in my backyard, like 15 and 20 cardinals just showed up in my backyard and were just looking at me. And sometimes I'll be working in my garden because I started gardening and a bird will land on the fence right above me and I'll look up and it'll chirp at me and stare at me. And this happens all the time. And I've even had, I have rats in my backyard. There's a, you know, they, they're around, I don't care, I, it's whatever. But I, I've had them like run toward me instead of away from me <laughs> when I, go out to do something. So I guess that's my only secret is I'm kind of an animal whisperer, but that's kind of, I think people are starting to learn that. Okay. Now. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, so Elizabeth, I want to thank you for being on West Virginia and commonplace. Um, I always give everybody a little bit of testimonial about themselves before we get off the air. Um, so me and you just met 30, 40 minutes ago. Um, so here's your testimony about you, um, your book, it has to be really courageous to take a step back and 
take your book from one publisher to an, and to create your own publishing, um, to understand the value of who you are in your, your material. Um, I appreciate that because a lot of people would, and I'm not saying this in a derogatory way, you know, we'll talk about boxing. Some people will take those punches and kind of just take the hurt and never fix that issue. You, you knew your self-worth, you went out here and you made a change and now you're about to reap the benefit. Uh, you said benefit for you um, doesn't necessarily have to be monetary. It's just the influence, um, the influence, which will turn into success for other people. Those are things that you should keep near and dear in your heart and that you have presented today. So I want to tell you personally, thank you for coming on for the simple fact that you've showered the world with those things. And I hope that those things resonate. Everything that you do has some type of success and that everything that has um, a certain point of failure too, because inside that failure, as you've said many times in this podcast today, you bounce right back from it and you come back stronger. I appreciate that. That's really nice of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you once again for being on West Virginia in Commonplace. And it was awesome having you. It was awesome to talk to you. You're so much fun. Thank you. Thank you.